Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Free Agent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. To claim your one month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash being freelance. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for email strategist Val Geisler. My goal was to be ridiculously useful to people. And I knew that that would pay off in the long term. It was, it was definitely an investment of my time. Self-care has become very important and not in this like, oh, I go get manicures every week. I force myself to get out of bed at 5.30 in the morning and go kick my own ass for a little bit. And, and it's great. It's when the hardest thing I do is at 5.30 in the morning, it's, it's going to be a good day. Yes, there is Val, the first one of season six. I hope you've had a great summer. If it was summer where you are, for that matter, you could be listening to this sometime in the future. (laughs) But for me, I've just had the whole of August off. It's been brilliant. But it's nice to be back. So many great conversations lined up with freelancers to have between now and Christmas. And as you just heard as well at the beginning there, this season of Being Freelance, we're supported by Free Agent as well. Thank you so much for them for throwing their their love behind this and what we're doing. Uh, basically, I have wanted to get a sponsor for the podcast for a little while, but I always wanted it to be somebody that I used or that I knew would be really useful for freelancers. And seriously, when I started using Free Agent, and this they're not paying for this bit. <laughs> I'm just saying this because I want you to understand why I went with them. I started using Free Agent, it's online accounting software and it made such a difference to my business because it made me really feel like a business it made me feel totally in control of my numbers what money I had to have set aside for my tax of my invoicing which invoices hadn't been paid and of all my different contacts and my expenses and like so much was suddenly made so much better when I stopped relying on scraps of paper and spreadsheets that I didn't really understand. So it's it's been great for my business. And hopefully if you go try your free trial, it could be great for you as well. Just online accounting software can make such a difference. And free agent are a lovely bunch of people. So thank you very much to them. As you know, if you followed a vlog back at the beginning of 2018, I decided to bring on other people to help me produce the podcast, so like an editor and writers. And all of that was basically being funded by me. So now it's really nice to have some help, <laughs> some help with that and what nicer people to do it. So thank you, Free Agent. And thank you for you as well for being back for another season. You can find out more about all of the guests at beingfreelance.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, check out the videos and the articles. Sign up for the newsletter, all sorts. It's all at beingfreelance.com. That's the easiest place to find all the links through. And you also find show notes, links to the guests and transcription as well for the guests as well. So go take a look, beingfreelance.com. Right now, though, let's get it underway, shall we? And chat to email strategist Val Geisler. Hey, Val. Hi, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Oh, gosh. It was all my my boyfriend at the time's idea, who's my husband now, so it was a good idea. I have a bit of a winding path to freelancing, which maybe a lot of people do. 
you hear in the corporate world, like about this corporate ladder, everyone's climbing, right? The way that I see my path is a bit more of a spiral staircase where I'm still going in a, in the same direction. It just looks a little bit different each time. So my background is long and not sorted, but different. And I got started freelancing because at the time I was opening new stores for a company called Lululemon Athletica. It's a retail brand. And I was opening new stores for them. And they do this amazing thing where they teach you how to run a business. They basically say, here's a bunch of money and some product and some brand recognition. And you know we'll help you pay the lease on your space and um, give you everything you need. And you run the business. So you find the customers and build the community. So I did all of that with them for almost two years. And I was working with them. And I had all these skills of running a business built up. And I, I knew a lot of small business owners. And I was talking to my then boyfriend. He's my husband now. Um, But I was talking to him about how, you know, oh, well, Ryan said he needs blogs posted to his website, and I, I can do that. And, you know, maybe I'll make a little bit of extra money on the side. And so I started what I didn't realize at the time was a VA business, a virtual assistant business. I didn't didn't even realize that was a thing. I just started helping my friends who owned businesses do the things that they didn't want to do or or didn't even know how to do. I was loading products into their Shopify site for some people. I was I actually was a, a virtual receptionist for one person, loaded blog posts into WordPress for another person, managed client projects as a project manager for another. And so I was just kind of filling in these gaps where they didn't need to hire a full-time person. They were still a very small business themselves, but they, you know, they needed this this job done. And I said, well, I can do that. And at first it was just, you know, some extra fun money and we were engaged. And so planning the wedding and it was like, okay, well, this is going to be extra fun wedding money. But it quickly turned into, wow, I could actually replace my my salary here. I can really do this and create a business for myself. So that's what I did in 2012. So I've been at it for about six years now in various capacities off and on. Wow. Just to rewind to to when you said you were opening stores, were you like, so it's sort of like a franchise type? Yeah. So uh, it's not a franchise. It's a a corporate uh, retail business, a standard business, you know, operated by a corporate headquarters. And then I was this a store manager opening uh, the stores, the showrooms and stores in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Right. When they would open up a new store, they would drop Val in to, to sort it out. Yeah, when they opened up the store in our city. So the way that they operate is it's actually a pretty interesting model and, and something that I think I carried into the way I started my business. When they open in a new city, and I don't know that they still do this, they would open what they called a showroom. And so I was hired as a showroom manager. And a showroom was a mini version of a store. And they would give us a whole bunch of their core product. And then the showroom would be open for a limited amount of hours. My showroom was open Thursday through Sunday, about four hours each day. We had a you know a financial goal to meet in that time. But really, our goal was to move into this community and see 
kind of test the model, right? See if there was a need for the brand in the community and then build the fitness community while we were there. So we went to yoga classes and spin classes and CrossFit classes and all in the name of building a fitness community that was also connected to this brand that happened to provide really great product for it. As I spent about a year with the showroom model, it helped me see like, okay, well, when you're trying something new, test it in a small way, right? So I didn't up and quit my entire job in order to start my business, but I did take on a couple of clients as a bit of a side project. You know, I was still working and and doing other things, but it was a bit of a side hustle at the time. And that's kind of what the showroom model is for Lululemon as a brand. And then after it was validated, then we said, okay, let's put a, a whole big store here in the mall and have the the expensive lease and all of the product and a staff of 20 and all of those things. Right. So then it became this is the validated model. This is what we're going to do. And I think that really helped me learn to, you know, to start things small and, and validate them and, and then do more of what works really well. And I've kind of taken that into my business. And, and you know, I mentioned I, I started as a VA and I'm an email strategist now. So my, my business has definitely evolved over the last six years. But I, I always go back to that. What do I do really well? And then what is the need in the market? What do people need that I can provide for them? Cool. So let's talk about that evolution, because as you say, you, you've got a really specific niche now. As If you go to beingfreelance.com and you, you link through to Val's website, you'll see what I mean. Whereas you started as a VA, you were helping people with literally, oh, what do you need? Okay, I'll do that. So how, how did things change? So I mentioned that we were getting married at the time when I was a VA and quickly became pregnant with our first child. And I realized that I was running this business where I was like the backbone of other people's businesses. I was posting products to their Shopify site and answering their phones and running their twice a week blog and things that needed to continue to happen. And here I was with a ticking clock of, you're going to have a baby in nine months and be off the face of the earth, so to speak. And so I knew that I needed to bring in a team to support my clients while I was on maternity leave. So I built a a team. I I taught other people how to do what I was doing. Uh, I reached out to other virtual assistants who were doing incredible work already and invited them onto my team, trained them up in what I was doing for these clients. And then I was really a project manager. I interfaced with the clients and then handed off the work to my team. I was able to take on more clients by doing that. And I grew my business into being a project manager so that when I came back from maternity leave, I really stuck with that project manager role, continued to project manage that became, you know, as I was interfacing with the clients more and doing less of the implementation, I was realizing there was this huge gap in my client's customer onboarding. So when they would have a new customer or a new client into their business, 
you know, I helped as the project manager kind of close that gap of, okay, well, what do we do? How, what does it look like? And create the checklists and the welcome packets and all of those things that people really need for their new clients. And it was something I was doing for my clients and they were impressed by. And so I turned it into a service. Again, it was like, what can I do that other people are saying that they need? So I turned that into a service and my project management really started to focus on the customer experience. Most of my clients at the time were creative business owners. And when I was doing that, I was using email marketing to reach out to people. I was growing an email list and uh, writing to them every single week and writing on my blog about customer experience and the customer journey. And in that process, I started using a new email marketing software and they were fairly new and didn't seem to have a lot of customer onboarding in place. And so I, I actually pitched them and said, hey, I would love to you know, have you as a client. I would love to work through your customer onboarding and, and help you with this. And they came back to me and said, well, that's great. But you know, we've read your blog and what we really need is someone to help us with our blog and to help us with our customer support. And we can work on onboarding in that process, but this is what we need and we want to hire you full time. And as a freelancer, that was a, that was a challenging thing to hear, quite honestly. It, you know, I think a lot of people get excited about having a full time job, but it took a lot of consideration for me to decide if I wanted to go in house. You know, it could have been forever at that point. That was like, okay, well, what do I want here? Do I want to continue freelancing? Do I want to go work for somebody else and and learn about this industry and take a little bit of a breather from there's a certain amount of hustle that comes with freelancing. And the idea of, you know, being able to work in-house and focus on what I do really well and do it for one company at a time was quite appealing after four years of running my business full time. <laughs> so let me just get, go back to like when you were on maternity leave, you call it maternity leave, but it also sounded like at the same time you were still overseeing the team that you'd, you'd hired. So you were still working. Right. So I took two months off entirely just because I wanted to, I would check in. I had like one lead VA who worked for me who kind of, I would check in with on occasion. And I think I hopped on a, a Skype call or two with a client just to say hi, you know, with the baby at home with me and all of that. So it really was having the baby that made you grow her business in that way. Yeah. As in that, that thing. But you were comfortable doing it because you've been in a position of hiring people and managing people be before. Right. I think uh, without that experience of running the, the showroom and the store in the past, I don't know that I would have felt as comfortable doing it. And I also, I don't want to put on airs that I was like super comfortable hiring a, a team and and managing them. It was... It was challenging. It was certainly different than, you know, in the past when I had hired and managed a team, there's a added complexity when you're doing it as a freelancer and hiring people for the first time, contractors, subcontractors to work for you. Um, there's an added like stress and complexity to it. So I, I certainly don't want to seem like, oh, and I felt so confident doing this. Um, <laughs> but there's just still, I, I felt like, well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out together. And that was something that I was very transparent with my subcontractors about. Look, I've never done this before. We're going to be figuring this out together. And that's what I looked for in people I was hiring was, uh, you know, people who were willing to 
kind of come along the, on this journey with me and share feedback and, and help the business be successful. But then you start to realize that there's, you know, this other service that you can offer of customer experience. And uh, and then that leads ultimately towards the direction of email. And as I look at you now, staring out of your website, there's no mention of any virtual assistance type business. So I'm presuming at some point, even though it might have been going well, you let that go or like what, what happened? Yeah, it was going well. And so what happened was it was going really well. And I was able to pay my subcontractors and pay myself. And yet, when I decided to raise my rates, you know, for the first time in three years, or whatever ridiculous thing, I had not been raising my rates uh, over the years, and realized I needed to do that in order to grow the business. And the clients uh, had changed their direction, or some of it was like, oh, well, we can't afford that rate anymore. Some of it was we're not actually going to do that part of the business anymore. You know, just over the three, four years I had worked with people, businesses had grown and changed. Um, one company ended up hiring somebody full time. So, you know, it evolved kind of naturally to this place of I had maybe one or two clients that I had to say, hey, so I'm not going to be offering this anymore. This is what I'm going to be doing moving forward. I would really appreciate any referrals you might have or mentioning me to people in your network. But I did have to have a couple of hard conversations uh, where they really wanted to keep going and and the business was growing and, and evolving and I was learning what I loved doing and what I wanted to spend my time doing. And I, I just kept thinking, if I'm doing all of this to build my own business and to find freedom from working for someone else, I need to do what makes me the happiest in this and follow that spiral staircase of it's going to look a little bit different, but trusting in, in the fact that I was doing what I knew how to do really well. And uh, it was something people needed. And so just kind of you know, following those breadcrumbs. Yeah, I like that. Because as the customers dropped off, you could have easily found more. But instead, you were like, actually, I don't want to do that anyway. I want to do this. Yeah. And it's like that, that still small voice that's inside of you of, of going, what happens if you just follow this other pathway and trying it? Mm. So now, are, are you just Val, if you see what I mean? Or, or is there lots of mini vows working for you or have you taken it back to just being yourself? Yeah, it's just me now. So, you know, I spent a year and a half in this in-house role at an email marketing software company. I learned more than I ever planned to know about email, continued on that like customer experience, customer journey pathway in, in the work I was doing and learning about how that has such a huge impact in the tech world and in software and in anything that focuses on monthly recurring revenue. You know, that onboarding experience, that customer journey is so important. And so then after having my second daughter, I left the in-house job and started freelancing again, this time with the focus on the customer experience, but through email marketing. You know, I had understood and learned the strategies and the copywriting and all of those things that go into email marketing. And so that's what I do for clients now. And, and especially those clients that are focused on monthly recurring revenue and through email as a channel to reach those customers. Mm. So it, it felt good going back into a full-time job. 
Yeah, it, you know, it did at the time. Um, I had a two-year-old and I was really ready for a bit of like team because, you know, even as a project manager and, and having those subcontractors, I was running the business and my team was the team. I really wanted to be part of the team. And I was really excited to be focusing on one thing. And I knew that as a freelancer, I did not want to take on, you know, just like one big client. I wasn't interested in doing that because it felt a little shaky. And I got benefits and um, (laughs) company trips and things that were really fun to have again for a little bit. Yeah. And also in that environment, then it sounds like it was quite an education as well in the real deep levels of email that you now work within. Yeah, I was inside of every single email marketing system out there, you know, saw the good, the bad and the ugly of it. I saw the back end of various customers email campaigns. I worked on our own email strategy internally, and growing our email list and nurturing that email list, nurturing the the brand new customers who were coming in. So in lots of different ways, I, I learned, you know, about strategy from a technical standpoint, and then also from a, a nurturing customer journey standpoint. And what did you do with your own personal brand, as it were, you know, like your website, while you were in that full time position? Did you start to change that because obviously now if we go to your site it's all about email were you starting to become a specialist in email outwardly online or yeah I think so when I went in-house I was kind of positioned as uh, people would call me like the systems girl um I, I knew a lot about systems and processes and and tech tools and My blog was full of reviews of various software. You know, I think I still have like a popular post about ways to use Asana uh, to organize your projects. So those kinds of things were what was on my blog at the time. And I did keep writing on my blog. I kept emailing my list. It wasn't necessarily every week, like when I was freelancing, but I did keep in touch with them every other week and wrote on my blog regularly. I started to write more about what it means to be running a business. And so I started talking more about how I'm an introvert and the ways that I have networked as an introvert and how to promote your business without spending a dime on Facebook ads and those kinds of things that I was both learning by observing our customers within this email service, but also my observations of the last four years and things that I had been wanting to write about. But I was really focused on, you know, getting new clients. And so I needed to be writing a little bit more on topic. So it was kind of a nice little break that I got to write the things that I had been wanting to and saving up to write about on my blog. But yeah, I started to talk more about communication and and being human behind your computer screen, because ultimately, we're all just human beings on the other side of the, the computer from each other. And that was something that I noticed was really missing in especially in email marketing is this drive for sales over anything else. And I have seen it in action. And I know that having a 
valuable personal connection with the people on your email list really makes all the difference when it comes to your sales and your marketing channels. So that's what I talked about more often. And between that and the knowledge people knew that I had from having worked at an email software company, I was able to start up my freelance business again when I was ready to do that. And so how did you go about getting those clients when it came to Freelance Val Part 2? Yeah. Well, I started out as when I started a year ago, I had one client that I was kind of doing all of their their software company and I was doing lots of their like general marketing stuff um, when I first left my in-house role. So I did that about 50% of my time. And the other clients were all people, again, in my network that I had stayed in touch with, you know, through my email list, through networks on in Facebook groups and things like that. I think that, Steve, I'm pretty sure I sent an email to my email list and said, hey, so I'm I'm available to help you with your email strategy. And at the time I was even doing like software setup for people. So, you know, let's get you into an email software that you like and get things set up. Or I was doing cleanup because a lot of people have very messy email software programs where they're like, I have this old campaign and this old broadcast and I don't know, you know, how to organize anything. And so I would go in and do some cleanup too. So I was doing about 50% you know, with that one client doing their general marketing for their software company, because I had been doing that for the last year and a half. And then the other 50% of my time was doing more of the like implementation email strategy pieces inside of softwares themselves. Wow. So, so it's really (laughs) gone pretty seamlessly, has it across this past year as you've re-emerged? Yeah. And you know, what I have to say is that It has because I utilized my network and I also didn't abuse my network. So that that thing I was saying before about being human, you know, I kept that in mind throughout the entire time that I was in-house. And especially as I started to think about becoming a freelancer again, it was really important to me that I treated people like human beings. And that I wasn't only ever emailing people when I had something to sell. And that I wasn't only ever involved in a Facebook group when I had something to promote. But that I was creating opportunities for conversation. And I was being of service. You know, my goal was to be ridiculously useful to people. And I knew that that would pay off in the long term. It was was definitely an investment of my time. And, and it did, it paid off in ways that I can't even begin to describe, you know, just building those relationships and maintaining the fact that we're all just human beings floating around on the internet and that, you know, we can treat each other as such. And then when there's time to sell something or, you know, to help people, that was, you know, I wasn't saying I have something to sell you, you know, I need to make money now because I'm a freelancer again. I was saying, hey, here's this thing I do and I can do it really well. And here's the package that I do it within, the container that I do it within. And I'd love to do it with you. And it got a wonderful response. And so, yeah, it feels seamless, but it was also like years of work and connecting that that made it so seamless. Mm. So that's brought us to where we are today. How have you found 
the life side of it so we've we've covered a lot of business but obviously uh, unless i've lost count you've got two kids so yeah how's how's the life side of being freelance for you yeah so the life side was actually why i went back into freelance so i left my in-house job for a number of reasons but the biggest one was that i was a brand new mom and I nursed my baby and I did not have even, you know, even in the software world where the idea of a 40 hour work week is like a gift. Um, <laughs> and that was something that this particular company was very serious about, like not having people work more than 40 hours in a week. But I didn't even have 40 hours to give in order to take care of myself. Because with my first daughter, I had postpartum depression, and I knew that I, I needed to take care of myself with my second daughter. I was nursing, and so everything that's involved with that, uh, it's very time-consuming. And I said, you know, I probably have about 30 hours to give to this, to, to work. And I even proposed that to the, the company and said, you know, can I work part-time? And they, they said no. And so I, that's when I decided, okay, well, I can definitely, you know, reconnect with people, build some packages around what I know to, how to do really well. And I started freelancing again because of the life side of things. And now I'd say I probably work between 20 and 30 hours in a week on client work, probably about 20 hours on, on client work, but I work all the time. Um, <laughs> And not in a way that's like, oh, I work all the time, but because my mind is just constantly thinking of ideas and, and ways I can better refine what I'm doing and, and the I, people I really want to be working with. So I'm kind of always like making notes or thinking through something. And I feel like I kind of have work brain on all the time and I do have to force myself to turn it off. And I find getting into a bath is the best way to do that because you really can't have like your laptop in there, you know. <laughs> so how old are your kids now? They're four and one. So, you know, just briefly, like, how do you manage, like is one of them in, I don't know. Preschool, yeah. So, yeah, so my, my four-year-old is in a preschool and my one-year-old is in daycare. And so I have childcare for both of them about 35 hours a week. So I do all of my work when they are at childcare, which is kind of, you know, during typically standard work hours, but I don't work on Fridays and that's because I don't have childcare for the baby on Fridays. Um, it's my day with her and it always amazes me when people are like shocked that I have an entire day <laughs> off during the week. But yeah, I work uh, like Monday through Thursday drop them off at eight and pick them up at four. But I have a, a little studio that I work out of because I found working from home to be quite distracting. Um, so I kind of spend a couple of days in each place some, or a, you know, a half day in the studio and then come home in the afternoon, have some lunch and catch up on emails and things. But if I'm doing focused client work and it's typically in the studio. And what's the studio like? Is that like a co-work type place or you? Uh... It is a little bit. Yeah. It's actually a, a friend of mine who also owns a business. She has this really big space and she is an extrovert and with a capital E. And I knew, you know, she would love to have somebody in the space with her. And I also really wanted to get out of my house and it has a very homey feel to it. There's 
sofas and, you know, we light candles and all those things. But, you know, I have a desk with my second monitor and my postcards to mail out to clients and things like that are all right there. So, so I get a little bit of human adult interaction (laughs) by going there and working side by side with her. But then I also get to come home and have some quiet time when I want to just be here. Yeah. You spoke about the importance of taking care of yourself. Is that something you still focus on? Yes. And in fact, as of this recording yesterday, I was just tweeting about how much impact my workout routine has had on my business. And so in the last year after having my second child and then coming back into, you know, being approved to work out again and wanting to work out again and getting sleep and all those things, I started, you know, really committing to a a fitness program and I prioritize it. And again, it's like an investment into into myself and my future. Sometimes I am up at 530 in the morning before the girls are awake and before my husband's awake and I go and work out and I come home and they all wake up and we start our day. Sometimes I drop the kids off and go to an 8.30 a.m. class. Uh, It just kind of depends on my schedule for the day. And yet I make sure that I'm there five days a week. So four four weekdays and then a, a weekend day is my is my plan because I need it. It's such a great reset for my brain, for my body. And, you know, when I, when I do this, when I commit to myself to, to do this, I feel better about myself throughout the day. I make better food choices, which fuels my brain in a different way than some other foods that might not. I'm more productive throughout my day. I feel more confident and I more confidently raise my prices and, and price myself appropriately. So, you know, it's, it has all these like compounding interest on everything around me. I'm more confident as a mother and I can keep up with my crazy toddler and my, you know, busy four-year-old and I have energy throughout the day. So there's a lot of ways that it it has never ending benefits, but yes, self-care has become very important and not in this like, oh, I go get manicures every week, but like I, I force myself to get out of bed at 530 in the morning and go kick my own ass for a little bit. And, um, and it's, and it's great. It's when the hardest thing I do is at 530 in the morning, it's, it's going to be a good day. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad that works. Part of me was sitting there thinking, yeah, maybe I should get up at half five at the moment. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really hard. It's it's really, really hard. And I was talking in this Twitter exchange, I was talking to another freelancer and and she was saying, you know, my gym has these 9.30 a.m. classes and I should probably go to them. And I just said, yes, like there's there's really no excuse not to do it and just try it is all I would say. Yeah. You mentioned Twitter there. You know, I follow you on Twitter and you, you're you very active on there, should, should we say, which is, and in a brilliant way as well. But like, is that where your main community is or is it elsewhere or is there also people in real life as, you know, as in offline? Yeah. Gosh. Well, definitely my email list is kind of my core community. They're like the people who matter the most to me, right? So that if you are on my email list and you reply to my emails, that has a a bit of priority in my life. Uh, you know, a lot of people can think of sending out an email to an email list as almost like a broadcast, but you you actually get a lot of conversational, you know, sense of chatting to other people via your email list. Do you? I do. Yeah. Last week's email, you know, I got a, a dozen replies to this week's email actually went out right before 
we got on the call and I already had a couple of replies in my inbox from it. And, you know, again, that's all from cultivating that sense of community and and humanity behind what we do. I, I respond to people who reply to my emails. Do you pose a question within it? Like, do you prompt that sort of response? Sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. I mean, last week I did. And I also addressed a, a challenge a lot of people face. And so I think I, I get a lot of responses to that of like, thank you for giving me the solution that I needed here. But, you know, today I didn't, I was actually sharing a, an episode of another podcast I was on recently. And I got a couple of replies just from, from doing that with no question post. So yeah, I think it's, you know, it's all about that community nurturing and, and fostering. And, and I, you know, I try to do the same wherever I am. So on Twitter, I don't just schedule a bunch of tweets in a, a scheduling tool and send them out and never reply. I have conversations with people on Twitter. And, you know, that's how I got to know you is through little back and forth. And of course, you're limited in characters there. And I tend to use a lot of GIFs in on Twitter. But, you know, it's another place to to build relationships and to connect with other human beings, as long as they're not Russian bots. <laughs> and how about, you know, is there anybody like around you doing similar things to you? Or is your community all online? Yeah, I do have a pretty close knit community here in uh, I live in Columbus, Ohio. And I go to the studio with my friend who has a business. And we are actually all friends with other online business owners. And so I do have a pretty great little community here. And we trade ideas and get together. And my friend who I share the studio with, she and uh, two other women, we regularly have our our girls' nights and and we're all business owners. So we try not to talk business at those things, but it does come up. So it's all about doing the same thing. So my studio mate, her community is on Instagram. And so she does a lot of the same things. But again, it's like, we're doing the same things. We're just in different communities. She's she's still connecting with humans and having human conversations and back and forth and um, responding to people. So yeah, have you focused on Twitter more than... I have this in the last year. And that's simply because that's where my ideal customers are, my ideal community members people I want to be talking to and having those conversations with. So because I work majority with software businesses, a lot of those businesses and and their founders are on Twitter. When I was a virtual assistant and working with more creative business owners, I spent a lot of time in Facebook groups because that's where all of those people were hanging out, you know. So it depends on the business owner and what channel you focus on. So I certainly don't try to be on on all of them anymore um, or ever because that's just too overwhelming. But yeah, I, I do tend to focus on Twitter as far as social media goes. Yeah, that's cool. Man, I feel like I could talk to you forever, but I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lies. So what do you have for me? Okay, so they're all about work. So my very first job was a camp counselor. I spent a summer working from a houseboat and I worked at a quarter horse breeding farm. A, qu- a quarter horse? What's that, like a tiny horse? So, <laughs> so quarter horses are racehorses. Oh, right, are they? So you, were, you worked on a racehorse breeding farm. Mm-hmm. What did you have to do? Do I want to know? <laughs> um, I cleaned stalls. Oh, right. Good. Yeah. And when was that? That was during the summer in between junior and senior year of high school. Hmm. 
So where did you live on the houseboat? Oh, uh, on a lake in Tennessee. And what what was that like? Peaceful. Right. Good Wi-Fi? Like, what were you doing your... Oh, yeah. So the marina has Wi-Fi. So, uh, you know, you're... It's a lake. It's not like you're out in the middle of the ocean or anything. So Yeah, you picked a good time of year. A friend of mine always wanted to live on a houseboat and did it in the coldest winter in history, pretty much, in, in London. And Why? like everything everything just froze and he was miserable. And then his boat got burgled and it was just like the worst thing. No. Yeah, it was just the worst thing in it ever. Like, But it, he was just so cold. Um, yeah, it's definitely, there's a reason the rent was cheaper in the winter. Yeah, I would and say you so. A camp counselor. So, what's that? A summer camp? Is yeah, that? summer camp. All girls summer camp. Um, and so, what's what's involved there? Like helping them when they're upset, or is that always counselor? Not that sort of counselor. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, counselor, camp counselors, like lead the songs and activities, and you know, teach you how to cook food over a fire and make friendship bracelets and lanyards and um, take you to the pool and things. Yeah. These all sound totally plausible. You said about being an introvert, mm-hmm. even, even though, you know, so much you, of what you do, you know, when you were running the store, you were, I'm just thinking like camp counselor, would you put yourself in, oh, I don't know, houseboat sounds very you, I can imagine that, it sounds quite nice to do, particularly before kids, horses, I mean, if you live near horses, I guess, when you were a kid, then that's I I believe that, so I've no idea. <laughs> no, on, no, actually, I don't think you were a camp counsellor. I was. Oh, really? I, I just feel like Americans in Britain, we don't really have summer camps the way you do. And so it just feels to me like when I have American guests, they go, I know, I'll just do a thing about summer camps. Like, <laughs> No, I, I'm, I live in the Midwest. We That's all we do is summer camp. <laughs> So what was the lie? The houseboat. That's a shame because it sounded like such a lovely summer that you had. It does, doesn't it? No, you know what? I have been to a lake in Tennessee and I've been on a boat in that lake. Uh, but I was, didn't. that was just for, you know, an afternoon. Um, it was with my cousin who does live there. Um, but I did not live and work on a houseboat for a summer. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Not to expect too much because, you know, you go into it with all these expectations of like, I mean, if I had the expectation of I would still be running a virtual assistant business, uh, then I wouldn't be where I am now and and loving what I'm doing and having so much fun with my clients. And so just to be open to what is to come and to, to kind of temper your expectations and and follow the path that is whispering from the corner because it might be the most exciting one. Nice. Val, thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com, follow through to what Val is up to, uh, check out her blog, uh, but also follow her on Twitter. It is well worth worth it. But yeah, do take a look at Val's website because it is like if you've got, particularly if you're really focused and niched, then it's a great example of of that sort of thing as well and your whole brand that you you have on there i love your logo by the way oh thank you 
I'll be very disappointed if that isn't actually your handwriting, so don't tell me either way. <laughs> so yeah, go take a look. Beingfreelance.com links through, as ever, to what all of our guests are. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter, since we've been talking about emails so much. And also check out the other guests, now that we're back doing them as we head towards the end of the year. There's so many there. Remember, it doesn't matter what they do for a living, it's all about the Being Freelance. Val, thank you so much. I'm glad everything's working out, and all the best being freelance. Thanks, Steve. 